Welcome back to the Revelation On Demand podcast, an eschatology podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about the end times. Join us as we see what God might have to say about the dread of the end. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Mr. Chris Hess. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Doing well. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day. Gotta love the Christmas season. Yep, yep. Feeling the Christmas season myself. I We got decorated just a couple... We actually were late this year. We meant to decorate right after Thanksgiving, but it took us a few days to get everything out and get everything up. So, but now we have all the the decorations up here. How about you guys? We this year was the earliest we've ever done it, which was right after Halloween. Wow, that's uh, that's technically sacrilege, I think. <laughs> Against Thanksgiving, we we'll have to do a Thanksgiving special one of these years. Yes. In fact, I, it's funny. I, I was always like, you're not allowed to start Christmas stuff until after Thanksgiving. And, you know, I think this year I really f- have learned maybe that's not necessarily a thing. Maybe maybe we should just start decorating as soon as we feel like decorating. Not so much worrying about, you know, being... Stigmas? Giving every, yeah, stigmas or, or, or you know worldly ways of working things i just we had a rough year this year i mean everyone's had a rough year this year and maybe decorating early is a great way to to get you know more in the christmas spirit especially on a year that doesn't feel very christmasy with how how rough it's been there's there's truth in that and just remember the ways of the world are spiritual ways as well right right anyway so we are recording this on the 11th so hopefully you've had a you will have a chance before we see you in january when we record again to see the christmas star which is december 21st and what's actually happening is that jupiter and saturn are lining up from our vantage point here on earth to make a very bright star so on the 21st go ahead and look up in the night sky and see if you can't see the christmas star and there's plenty of uh you know star seer apps that would help you see where Jupiter and Saturn are. I, I find them pretty easily myself because I'm an avid sky watcher. So those are interesting and very nifty. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'd like looking up at the stars. I mean, we were going to get a telescope for Christmas this year, but we have things that have changed. So we're not getting a telescope. <laughs> things that have changed and JD, as well as his charities. Hmm. You and your charity. Oh, work. Yeah, and next year we'll we'll really get into the the extra life thing with uh we will uh I think I'm going to start doing a monthly live cast for gaming to raise money on that. So I think you we're going to join me with that. I hadn't even thought about that. Thanks for bringing it up. But we'll get in we'll get into more on that with the uh, next time we meet and record. So uh, no, last night, there it was a few nights ago, I see, I first seen the Starlink satellites. I seen a row of them in the night sky, like soon after sunset. And they were very visible because when the sun just set, that's the best angle for them to be reflective, especially the Mark ones that are really shiny. But it was pretty impressive to see just a line of these little lights going across the sky, you know, at satellite speeds. So it was pretty pretty awe-inspiring and now to think that the internet of everything is like right there that that's what it is the starlink yeah. is the, yeah, the internet yeah no that's elon musk's new uh world, global internet project he is uh got these satellites that are orbiting like a fifth of the distance that typical internet satellites are so their latency is like a fifth of what it is to go out to the geostationary orbits. But since they're so close to the earth, they can't see very much of the earth and and communicate for very much of the earth. So he needs like hundreds of these little satellites that just relay information. So, well, that'll be useful for people without access to paid internet. Yeah, no, he's, he's beta testing on places that have, you know, tough times with internet connection. So, 
it's pretty interesting to read up on those. And it's interesting to see that we're getting closer and closer to this like instantaneous internet access, which will be fun for everyone, you know, being able to learn whatever they want. So we're, we're, we're children of the internet with our podcast. So, you know, well, yeah. Nowadays you do have uh, plenty of people who are born into the internet being a thing. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and that's pretty interesting raising my own kids and how that is. I have to navigate that because my son has just started being able to run the remote on the TV and he's figuring out how to navigate apps on the TV. So we've got to start figuring out, you know, lockouts and stuff like that. So he can't be going where he's not supposed to be going. Yeah. <laughs> Parental controls are there for a reason. Yep. Yep. Uh, so moving on to our next point, uh, so you're a much more involved person, I would say, socially, and you see more of the uh, divisive viewpoints of a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think right now we're in a pretty tumultuous time socially, so uh, I'm just going to go out and say, please be kind to everyone that you can and just remember that if someone doesn't think like you, it doesn't mean you have to be mean to them. It doesn't mean you have to don't, you know, you don't have to do good things for them. We're called to love everyone, especially our enemies. And that means even our, you know, 1% enemies, not just the people we oppose strongly. So we don't right now where we're recording this, we're still, you know, a few days away from the electoral college actually casting their votes. And there's all sorts of stories about, what's going on with the election. And, and so we won't know about what the true results are until we record again, which will be in January. We are planning a Christmas episode, but we're recording that today and it'll be released on Christmas. So it'll be kind of out of time. It'll be just more about the Christmas story that everyone knows and uh, more our spin on what that means to us today. So, we will, we'll, t we'll hear, you'll hear us in, in, on Christmas, but you won't, it won't be live or more live. We don't do live. Maybe we should do live episodes sometimes. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, less stressing on, uh, what, what I would say would to be, would be, uh, different stipulations. Why don't we start our biblical binge? Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about what happened last time. Do you remember what we did? Yes, we went over the two great beasts of the apocalypse, and it came with a lot of descriptions for each one. There were the beast of the sea and the beast from the land. The beast from the sea and the beast from the land, neither one is closer to the devil than the other, but the beast from the sea happened to be uh, the Antichrist. Now, it, the Antichrist doesn't have the same connection to, uh, as you would say, Jesus to God, but it does come close. Not word for word, prescription, uh, description for description as to, like, the Antichrist is automatically going to be the son of the devil. Uh, this just meant that um, it's going to follow prophecy as to what this thing is and has been therefore dubbed the Antichrist as well. Uh, yes, so he is something that, the, why don't we start with the beast from the sea again and so he is a worshipper of a dragon and he spoke blasphemies or he is to speak blasphemies against God greater than any other evil force we've ever seen. Beast from the land is actually, uh, to correct myself, he, he is second in command. But what he does is he promotes and uh, he's a leader to bring people into the worship of the beast from the sea and the dragon 
the, uh, the beast from the sea being a follower of the dragon, beast from the land being a follower of both. And this beast from land produces the mark of the beast, which we are went over. It's the number six hundred and sixty-six. Yeah, yeah. Just just to put a bow on that, the as the beast from the sea is to Jesus, the beast from the land is to John the Baptist. So, the the beast from the land is just a false prophet, while the beast from the sea is the Antichrist. So, and speaking of the mark. Uh, a correction from last episode. If anyone got the impression that I think the current vaccine is the mark of the beast, I would like to apologize for that. I don't think that it is the mark of the beast. I think there's potential for it to become a mark of the beast like thing. Now, I personally am not going to go seeking out the vaccine, but if you are, you know, in the vulnerable parts of society where you have you know, pre-existing conditions or you're in the oldest categories, go ahead and get that vaccine if you feel safe to do so. I personally am just going to wait until it's, you know, generally available and comes with my flu vaccine that I get every year. So I'm not, I'm not going to seek it out. I'm not a frontline worker. I mean, I'm an essential worker, but we're in agriculture. We don't really talk to anyone other than truck drivers and, I stay out of the office, so I don't really interact with truck drivers. So I see no reason for me to be taking the vaccine, you know? Two each is their own in, in that regard. Um, yeah. As far as what you're talking about, and it's funny, is if it were enforced to the level where it was absolutely necessary to get it, otherwise you'd be denied uh, care, finances, so on and so forth, your own job. Uh, so I, I can see where, you know, both of that is coming from. Yeah, no, and, and it's not to say that it's going to be perfectly enforced across the board. I'm just saying it needs to be something that the government is saying you have to take this to be part of untoward society. And I've seen kind of some some whisperings of something like that happening, but I don't see it. I don't see any businesses jumping on board except for maybe the 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 social media guys i don't see any businesses jumping on board yeah our employees have to be vaccinated to work and so oh you'd be we'll surprised <laughs> that's already a thing but no i know i know i'm just I'm, I'm saying that i don't think it's going to i don't think this is it i think this is just echoing what could be because the thing is is that the the false prophet is the, is the one who brings the mark. I don't think we've seen a false prophet uh, like figure. So unless you want to get into some conspiracy story stuff, but I don't really care to get into that on this podcast, but I just, I wanted to correct it that if you feel more driven to get the vaccine because of your situation, I wouldn't say this is a mark like thing because there's going to be no doubt when the mark of the beast is available and there will be no doubt that when you take it, it is a form of worship, not just, it'll be like burning a pinch of, of, um, incense to Caesar to enter the market back. If you remember clear back when we were talking about the seven churches, that's what they had to do to enter the market. And that was an act of worship as Caesar, as a God of the universe. So, it's going to be very, very blatant. Maybe people will just say, well, it's for the better of society, isn't it? And that will be where the issue starts coming up. I don't, I don't think this vaccine is, is that mark. So where it somehow would be embedded. Fair enough. I'll respect your standpoint. <laughs> So if you could go ahead and start us out with the first bit of scripture, I broke this all up because I was listening to the last episode and I really liked how it flowed. So we're just going to start doing this with our studies. We're going to break it up into sections and, and go over the sections as chunks instead of reading the entire chapter and then trying to remember everything as we go over the points. So if you would, please. Yes, we do have quite a bit of scripture to go over today. So. Uh, just a friendly reminder, in case you didn't catch it in the 
title. This is the book of Revelation, chapter 14. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name. uh, I'm going to start that over. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with them 144,000 who had his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures, and the elders, and no one was able to learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who had not defiled themselves with women, for they are celibate. These are the ones who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are celibate. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been purchased from mankind as first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouths, for they are blameless. Yes, so we have the same 144,000 from Revelation 7 that we seen back in our study of Revelation 7. Ooh, that's weird. And uh, the beast was not successful against them. They were taken through the tribulation. And these, as we, uh, if you remember that study, we were talking about this. This is probably Jews who came to know Christ as their savior. So here we see them being gathered up with Christ at the end of tribulation, which we are, as we've talked about before, there's not a good canonical way to look at all these chapters. They kind of come back and forth over what point in the story they're talking about. So this is very much back to the end point right before final recreation. And, uh, these, their mark on their forehead is that same mark that the beast is trying to copy when we talk about the mark of the beast. He is just a, a corrupted imitation of what God has done. That, that explains the, a bit. Okay, so you're saying that the marking on their foreheads was obviously separate from the mark of the beast, but the mark of the beast mm-hmm. reflects what this mark is to be? Basically, yeah. what I'm trying to ask is what. So you're saying this is the end of tribulation, but we know mm-hmm. that the the beast of the land comes sometime before then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. So what what happens is that God seals His people with the mark long before the beast first rises. Oh. So these hundred and forty four thousand are leading others through tribulation. So what the beast did was he marked his, I don't know, it never mentions how many, but he's probably going to be 144,000 too, because the devil likes to copy. And uh, he will mark his, the people who are under his protection. So here we have the, the pure, the good part of the mark that God created, which is a different mark than what the beast created. And the mark that the beast created is something that is, is going to be used by God to, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff. So these 144,000 are not the only people who get saved out of tribulation, but these are the ones, this is the promise that God made to Abraham about his people. These are, he is taking the Jews and saving a, a multitude of them during tribulation. So interesting. Um, and this song that they're singing is uh, is something that's that cannot be interpreted by anyone except for these people, and obviously the cherubim, the elders, uh, the, the the four holy beasts, yeah, and God Himself. Yeah. No. So that's. We don't see angels and, and spirits really singing until we start talking about the second coming and the end times. So this is just where 
we are hearing the song that since these people are still on earth and they are on, on the, they are worshiping in the presence of God, but they're still on earth in this scene. They are, are bridging the gap between heaven and earth. They are bringing heaven to earth. They are helping, they are, are enacting God's will on the earth. So as we continue that, that, Okay, that put that into perspective for me. I wasn't sure. I, maybe I did read over it where exactly we were. <laughs> Other yeah. than Mount Zion, uh, if Mount Zion happened to be uh, it, it, in the realm of Earth or yeah, no, Mount realm. Zion, it it is the mountain that transcends both. It is often. I mean, we just went over this with uh, our kids in in our Advent book that the mountain in Eden is the bridging point between the physical and the, the spiritual realm. So very much ancient peoples thought of, and they're not wrong. They thought of the spiritual realm as being above the physical realm. And in a way that is true. It is a higher dimension. So, it would be quote unquote above, but as you know, people who understand more about how the universe is and understand that above us is not only sky, but space. And, you know, then you get into the solar system and all that. We don't think of above us as being what a higher plane is. It's more of a plane that is backed up against our own. It's just invisible. It's not accessible in the physical realm. So, that, that going would, back, that would put. Uh, I was just thinking, like how how limiting sin is, and how almost uh, extra dimensional, how much more in depth being in tune with God is to that. Yeah, yeah. So going back to their celibacy, uh, that word you had trouble with. Uh, it could be literal or symbolic. So if it's symbolic, there is. Uh, Scripture in Second Corinthians eleven two, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised to you one husband to Christ, so that I might present you as pure virgin to him. So in that, I don't remember who's writing. I think it's Paul. He's talking about presenting them, even though they're probably not virgins. He is presenting them as pure virgins to Christ. So it could be that this hundred and forty four thousand are a symbolic celibacy or they've taken a vow of celibacy after they receive the mark. So it could be any number of those things, or it could be literal. And we go to Matthew 24, 19 through 21, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that you, your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. So they could literally be, uh, and then there it's talking more about women, but it, it, they could literally be uh, virgins instead of it being symbolic. So I'm not quite sure how to take which way. I haven't seen a whole lot either way on that. I don't know if it's necessarily important, but just some things that I was thinking about as I was listening to this. And then as discussed in Revelation 7, we know that there are uh, Jewish people come to Christ. Yep. Already said that. Now I'm just covering, recovering ground. Uh, so, yeah, and as we've talked a little bit, these are the people who are saved as Jews who come to know Christ, and then they will start leading people through tribulation. So, through yep. them, more people will be saved. And with that, we get to our next section, if you'd be so kind. It's only three, three lines. Yes, sir. Following along. <clears throat> and I saw another angel flying in mid heaven with an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship who made the heaven and the earth and sea and spring of waters. And another angel, a second one, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion 
of her sexual immorality. So this this first angel could be something uh, symbolically. It could be a ministry or even a satellite. Uh, some people have uh, launched a satellite with an angel's name, thinking that it will fulfill this prophecy. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. But either way, it's talking about something uh, obvious that to give glory to God or suffer. So it is this messenger will come to people, the God's people and tell them you're going to suffer for him in this and through it, you will give him glory. So that's one thing we need to keep in, in mind, especially as terrible things happen to us or, you know, 2020, we have to keep in mind that anything, any suffering we're going through right now is just giving glory to God and I mean, the most inspirational stories I hear of is people who have suffered tragic, tragic things through, you know, any amount of things. And they still are like Job, you know, they are beholden to God. They are, you know, worshiping God. They, they want to see God's glory brought out in full. And that's inspirational to me. I hope it's inspirational to you, you know. Yes, sir. I, I love Job. Job is actually one of my favorite characters. Right. In in this scene, this is the only time an angel's ever been brought to uh, preach the gospel. So normally this is our job, but in the very end times, at the very last few hours of tribulation and whatnot, God sends an angel to proclaim the gospel, which is Jesus is the Savior. Uh, and we'll go more over on Babylon in the next section, but it is uh, the fornication is most likely spiritual. It's the worship of our gods. It's a uh, physical sin usually accompanies spiritual sin. So, whenever we get off script, whenever we go against God, we are sinning, and this is more is more is more damning in the spiritual sense than it is in the physical sense. Yes, there's physical consequences for our sins that we have to face in the moment, but the real consequence is the spiritual side of it where we are sinning more against God than just ourselves. So whenever we do fall, we need to remember to be very repentant over our sin because it's not just us who are chiefly sinning against it's really God when we turn away from him. So you got anything and, to add on that? Well, I was just thinking that, you know, lust and envy go hand in hand. You know, what, what is the, what, what is the goal of one desiring such through physical action? It usually has to do with the fact that you are, I don't know, wishing that you're somewhere else. And Babylon the Great, you know, they were so expansive that eventually that they, you know, they really did cut short on everything that they needed to because all they sought was for what they needed for themselves. Um, it, it's it's fitting that sexual immorality happens to be the exploit of all this. Yeah, and, and the one special thing about sexual immorality is that it's more of a it, most sins affect a greater amount of people. I mean, yes, sexual immorality does affect people around you, but most sins are against other people, whereas sexual immorality is more against your body, which as we know, our bodies are now the temple of God, and that is where we're supposed to worship him. So any sin against our body is a sin against the new temple. So makes that's, sense. Yeah, that's that's where the the big spiritual issue is is that when you look at porn or masturbate or do any sort of sexual immorality that is outside of what a uh, sexuality is supposed to be between a man and a woman who are married in a safe loving relationship, any sexual immorality beyond that and I I'm one to talk. I've had my fair share of sexual immorality. When we sin against our bodies, when we sin against the temple, it is a sin against God. And that's where we have to be very, very careful about what we do 
especially when it comes to sexual sin, or sexual sin. So, yeah. Case in point, you know, you're not unifying yourself with with something that's better than you. It's uh, uh, not going to turn out. Yeah. So, next section, if you would please. Yes. So, once again, we're starting with the word "and." <clears throat> and I saw another flying Next angel section. flying. Huh? Next section. You just read the same section again. <laughs> Doom for the worshippers of the beast. I was wondering why I was reading and again. <laughs> it's all right. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will... He also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives a mark on his name. Here is the perseverance perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. So here we are talking again about the mark of the beast. And as we went over at the beginning of the show, when I was apologizing for last episode, we are, we are talking, we need to be very careful and wary about potential marks of the beast. It can be a, a group. It could be an ant. It could be the antichrist. It could be a nation. So this, this mark of the beast could be enforced by any number of people and will likely be enforced by a number of people. It'll be something simple as we talked about. The, the pinch of incense at the, malt, at the market to worship Caesar. It'll be something that is trivial. So it'll be, why is it so hard for you as a Christian to do this? Because it is like nothing to me. You know, this is what the world will say. It'll, it'll be something trivial. It'll be something easy. It'll be something that the world who does it will look at you and say, why aren't you doing it? Don't you care about others or don't you want to have access to the market or, you know, it's better this way. So that's one of the big reasons why I say this vaccine that's coming up could be, but I doubt it will be. Uh, so it was talking about that cup of wrath, that wrath we've seen several times, especially right when Jesus is about to be crucified, where he has that prayer with God, where he says, please take this cup from me if it's your will. Uh, this is that, that very wrath that God has been making for the people who, who turn away from him, the people who are not saved. This is his judgment. This is his justice that will be met out against people. And in the Greek... God is angry, or God's anger is only described as a passionate, mainly in Revelation. Otherwise, it's often just settled as opposition to those who sin. So only in Revelation do we start seeing where God's anger is passionate, where it's it's burning, it's 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 not rage, it's 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 righteous indignation against those who sin against him and do not repent. So this is the only time that God is is finally getting to the point where he doesn't just set his face against people. He is now judging them for their their constant lack of faith. So this is this is when God stops just setting his face against people where it's like, you know, I gave you the choice and you chose ro- wrongly. So I'm just not going to, you know, mess with you or I'm going to let you to your own devices. I'm going to let you sit in your sin. I'm going to let you face the consequences of what you've done instead now he's taking a more active role when it comes to revelation where he is switching gears and he is going to start punishing those who sin against him. So 
And then we, as we talk about this, we get into the doctrines of hell. Now, if you're not well-versed in this, there is three major uh, views. There is the eternal damnation, there is the annihilationism, and then there is uh, ultimate reconciliation. So real quick, eternal damnation is what it sounds like. Uh, you burn in hell forever is the the quick, you know, dirty, that's what everyone says. Annihilation is you uh, go to hell and at some point you get destroyed and you are no longer for the rest of your life and then, or for the rest of time, sorry, not your life. And then reconciliation is where you spend time in hell until you've served your time and then you have a chance to repent and come be accepted into heaven. Now, I dug into this a little bit, and I'm sorry to say that I wanted annihilationism and reconciliation to be more likely, but I just couldn't find the text that could prove that. A lot of it was based off of more of what people saw in God's mercy when they were focusing on God's mercy instead of focusing on the fact that he is a balance of mercy and justice. Uh, when you sin, it is, we've talked about this, it was, it's spiritual, foremostly against God. So any crime committed against God deserves ultimate punishment, which at that point, time is no issue. So burning in hell forever is, is the punishment. And there is no, there is no chance for parole or anything like that. Uh-huh. Where they Excuse stick on... Without, without reconciliation whatsoever. Yeah, no, where, where people get stuck on is that they think that is life. Now, when it starts talking about life and death, we as physical beings, you got to remember the ancient people, when they hear life and death, they're thinking about this life. They're not thinking about the spiritual life. So they think a lot of these annihilations and reconciliations say, well, they can't burn in hell forever because that's eternal life. And I'm like, that is no life. There is no resurrected body in hell. There is no life in hell. It is eternal death. Just because they are spiritual form doesn't mean that it is living. They will live in an existence that is apart from God. It is miserable. It'll be, eternal punishment. We just read in this, this last scripture that those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark in his name, they have no rest day and night. So it's in the smoke will rise forever. So it can't rise forever unless whatever is burning is burning forever, you know? So, yeah. And if you take it into perspective too, uh, the post rapture um you're talking the world's going to be in a timeless and eternal state because the spiritual veil has been lifted and they do be they, the people are serving those they're serving that time eventually or throughout that progress i should say hmm. uh, they're going to be serving during that time, you know, it's, it's damnation of the earth. It's condemning, you know, God's creation. Yeah, no, I just, I, I, I was, I was really trying to get annihilation or reconciliation because it just sounds better. It feels better. It's, it's, you know, it's focusing on God's mercy, not his justice in, when I just started digging into all the proof texts, because I, I went from the annihilationist and the reconciliationist points of view, and I found their proof texts, and I found them wanting. They are very open-ended. They are, again, focusing on his mercy, not his justice. So, Oh, okay. No, I, you know, after you reiterated that, I see more clearly what you were trying to convey. I knew I was missing mm -hmm. something. Yeah, okay. no, because it, as we as we get into the recreation of heaven and eternal life and all that, and the recreation, we are given resurrected bodies. We are given life again, a physical life. Heaven isn't just some spiritual realm where we're ghosts and stuff like that. The spiritual and the physical become one, and those who are in Christ get a new physical body because there is something important about 
physical interaction that God created us for that we need to worship him correctly. So in these bodies, in this life, we are in fallen bodies that are hard to do that correctly with. It's hard to avoid sin. It's, it's the body. This body is sinful. The next body that we receive for the new recreation will be perfect and won't want that sin. So it is physical. We are not just talking about a, a ethereal, you know, ghost-like thing in heaven where you have wings and a harp and you know the stereotypes. That is not what heaven is. Sure. It will be physical. Yeah, I, I get you now. I, I mean, and so that's that is, what I truly believe too. Uh, yeah. As we've been going over on and off this episode, yeah, yeah, and that that is the big difference that I see is that when it talks about eternal life and eternal death, it is talking about whether you get a second body or you burn spiritually in hell. So that's where the eternal damnation thing is, and I, I'm I'm quite sure that I'd say I'm about ninety percent sure that I am correct on that. So. That's probably one of the highest sure assurances I will give you on this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a limit to your to your truth there. No, I, I, I just okay. Yeah. You want to move on to the next yeah. section? Let's let's get into the last section so we can round this up. Yes, sir. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, excuse me, calling out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out, of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle, and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out from the winepress up to the house's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. So here we have the... the, the final apocalypse this is the the final destruction of people so this is part of the reason this podcast exists is to help you with peace of mind of where we're going after our death so as believers we don't have to worry about the the nasty things that happen in this section uh the figure on the cloud is obviously jesus because he is described as the son of man and he is wearing golden crown of victory, which no angel would be wearing. So the first figure with the sickle is uh, Jesus. And when we're talking about a sickle, I don't want you to think a scythe like everyone thinks. A sickle is a hand tool, a single hand tool that has a curved blade that is designed to make it easier to grab a bunch of wheat and cut it op- up like they did back then. So as a farmer, I know what a sickle is. It is this short curved blade used to cut bundles of wheat down. So, uh, yes, Jesus is the figure. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was just going to, that's what I was totally thinking when we were reading. Um, so the figure, the, the, the first figure, the one that it appears to be as the son of man. Yeah. Uh, it has to be Jesus, obviously, yeah. um, because no other angels would wear the crown, right? Yeah, and it, he's described on a cloud as the son of man, which no angel is described as the son of man. In fact, most of the time when you get a description of an angel, it's this you know horrifying figure that strikes all <laughs> in people. So obviously not an angel. It is Jesus. And then we get into the 
to there's a Greek word there, the, the word for ripe that just is translated poorly here, but it means overripe. Like you see a field that has withered and dried in this is the earth is overripe for judgment. So this is talking about he is gathering up the the things that he burned, the grapes of wrath, which would be those who are, are ripe with sin. And uh, in that second figure is, I think, where we often get depictions of the reaper, which is why I mentioned, firstly, when they say sickle, they're not talking about that big two- you know, two-handed thing called a scythe. It's a sickle, right? So um, we have a gruesome comparison uh, between the grapes and sinners, which they are gathered up and thrown in the press and then stomped out. I mean, there's there's a song, the uh, – I don't remember what it's called, but they talk about <laughs> – should have wrote it down. Um, but anyways, they're, they're talking about stamping out the grapes of wrath, which literally, if you think about a ripe grape being squeezed, it spurts. It, it Think of a grape as a person and just the mental image that comes about when you think of get someone getting flattened and bursting like a grape. Right. You know. I thought those were I thought those were energy epicenters of sin. So <laughs> that clarifies that. Yeah, no, it's literally talking about collecting up the people. And this is where I think they are being their their physical bodies are being destroyed in this river of blood. And it's probably not like a flowing river because that would be it could be. I mean, it could be. That, I, and I needed to correct that. myself on what I was saying. I said the houses bridles then i i stopped myself oh. for a second because i was like what's how does a house have a bridle <laughs> horses bridles that's how that's how immense this river of blood is yeah no it, it, it means there's probably gore and destruction up to head height because you got to remember at this time people were much shorter they you know the average height was like five foot six so the average horse head height would be about a little taller than the average man it, when they're standing, you know, at attention. So this is just gore will be presence for a 200 mile radius around the epicenter of this. It'll just, it'll be destruction and gore and just carnage is a good carnage. word for it. Yeah. Carnage, yes. carnage. I think that's a, that's a good word for it is carnage. Let's, <laughs> no, let's, uh, let's enforce, uh, prosperity in our readers, not, fear <laughs> well we don't have to fear this because again this is talking about those who refuse to repent those who refuse to be collected up into god this is this is people who are stuck in their sin and refuse to see you know the 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 opportunity they were given and this completion of this chapter shows that no matter what the the antichrist and the false prophet are trying to do god will have his ultimate victory over them so with that, do you have anything else to add, my friend? No, I'm pretty sure we, uh, you know, we we got the horns on that goat. So, <laughs> uh, our takeaway for today: as we get well into the holidays, it's important to remember the love we have for others can be made more bold by the security we have in God. Once we're saved, we know that we're going where we're going to be going when we die and can take comfort in knowing whatever we suffer now will only be gain once we're in heaven. And as this year has been probably, you know, a, a learner to anyone. <laughs> catastrophic. Okay, let's not go there. Let's let's not go there. We're we're not <laughs> emphasizing on being excessive here. Yeah, yeah. No. But this is this year's taught anyone anything is that even when things suck you can still find peace in God, you know, and to know it's only going to get worse from here, especially when the end times do come. We don't need to worry. We know where we're going. We know who our savior is and all praise to God. We'll, we'll make it through it or we won't. And we'll be collected up into heaven. So it's a win-win either way. <laughs> Well, okay. I mean, to be fair, 
we are blessed from the point on, you know, um, what am I trying to say here? We need to be recognizing our blessings. Yeah. Absolutely. On a constant. Um, through anything that seems difficult, it could be trivial. It could be, uh, you know, a word I used earlier, immense. Mm-hmm. But recognizing your situation to be what it is and the fact that there could be merit in building from it, recovering, uh, the fact that you might be able to recover from a bad incident, uh, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, or physically, is in the form of a it, it's a blessing. It's God's grace that, you know, I, I just do uh, basically what I'm trying to say here is let the Lord, uh, you know, just intervene in your life as much as possible. And, you know, anything could be a blessing in disguise, even if it turns, not if it turns out, even if it seems to be a very stressful, uh, one of the worst things ever, there's always going to be good to come of it because you have the Lord in your life. Yep. Amen to that. So I have nothing else to add. You got anything? I think we can, uh, think we could turn into the station brother all righty thank you for listening to the revelation on demand please like share and subscribe wherever you catch your podcast from please if you like what we're doing share this with a friend family member or someone from your church it's a completely private venture and we receive no funding from any sources if you have any comments questions or concerns please feel free to contact me at revelation on demand at gmail.com god bless and see you next time